So how's Turin? Well, it's uh, quite grey at the moment, to be honest, in terms oh, of weather. Okay. But it's it's Turin. <laughs> I've never been. I'm in Italy. I've already had a pizza. I've already had plenty of pasta. So I feel like I'm taking <laughs> off uh, every box that I am really supposed to. Uh, but yes, it is uh, Davis Cup and I have been allocated to Turin. And I think sort of winning out of Turin, Innsbruck and Madrid. We didn't get a say in where we went. We just got allocated. I mean, obviously poor Innsbruck with no crowd lockdowns, can't go to restaurants. I mean, not that we finish early enough to pop to a restaurant, (laughs) but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, that's a, a, a bit of a shame. And then in Madrid, they had Alcaraz with a positive COVID test. I mean, that's a disaster for team Spain because they would have loved to have put him out there. So they're missing the Dahl and Alcaraz for the home nation. And Roberto, Bautista Agut as well. And he, RBA. Exactly. And well, mm. it's a good thing they've got a strong bench, is all I can say. <laughs> uh, and a very experienced yeah, bench. But, but that's what the captain was thinking. I'm glad I've got a strong bench. One thing on Italian food, don't you love it in Italian restaurants? Normally, if you go, <clears throat> excuse me, to an Italian restaurant in this country, you'll have pizza or pasta. In Italy, you have pasta, then pizza. It's just part of the menu. That's what you do. Then you might have a meat dish afterwards and then you kind of roll home at some point. Yes, very strange um, because I'm always a little bit miffed at the portion of pasta I get and I'm like, mm, I'm not sure this is a meal. Uh, and then it's essentially a starter. It's their first course and then they have they have more food yeah, afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm very much enjoying the pasta. I would like to just be eating pasta, but you just sort of feel like you oh. have the pasta and then they're like, right, here's the meat, here's the... And he's like, oh, no, I just like a bit more pasta. You just have just... to go... Yeah, I, I feel like I always apology, apologise, but I'm going to do an apology on behalf of both of us because we're both a bit. I think our bodies are shutting down for close season. Oh I think yeah, they forgot about. I think they forgot about the Davis Cup, um, other bits and pieces. I'm working on an exhibition this weekend, uh, school nativity, children's at school, Christmas shopping. So our bodies are kind of wanting to rest. So if we're sort of coughing and spluttering our way through this, so yeah, just reminder for those who probably know, but. This year, Davis Cup split over three venues. Yeah. So remind us in Turin. And I think it's quite good because when we were in Madrid a couple of years ago, I mean, I, look, I was with Five Live, so I knew I was following Great Britain, right? That, yeah. that was it. But you could have been assigned anybody. So you had to be across all the countries and, okay, Naomi, today you're doing X, tomorrow you're doing Y. So at least in Turin, you know who you're following. So who are you following? I, I actually don't know who's in Turin. Yes, so it, it was very much in 2019 when we were in Madrid. It, it very much it felt like I pretty much commentated on every team. Uh, we, we weren't assigned sort of groups or anything. It Love was, that. Good knowledge. You know, it, it, look, logistically, it's tough. The schedule is difficult. It's tennis. That's, uh, that's how it is. Uh, so we sort of uh, understand. But we were focusing last night on Group D, which saw right. Croatia beat Australia. The Ooh, other member of Group D was Hungary. Yeah, and Croatia storming to a 3-0 victory. Disappointment for them because Borna Choric was out ill. Uh, sorry, not ill, injured because he hasn't recovered from his shoulder surgery. Yeah. Uh, as you were saying, I'm ill, <laughs> as you can tell by my, my <laughs> voice. Um, yeah, I haven't had a sort of a night out uh, drinking last night at all. I was very much working. This is just a tired <laughs> voice. That's all it is. Um, yes, yeah, so you have Croatia, Hungary and Australia in that group. And it is Croatia that got off to a flying start. Marin Cilic coming in on title winning form, may I just say, on indoor hard. He reached the final in Moscow and then won in St. Petersburg. He played just, he got a little bit nervy against Dimonor, but, you know, that sort of comes with the territory for Marin Cilic. And then um, 
But he is playing really well, leading out Team Croatia. And then they've got the world number one doubles pair in Mektic and Pavic, who were clinical in absolutely destroying Piers and Dimonor in their dubs. So it, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, we, we expect Croatia to, to top their group and get through to the quarterfinals. And I think they could be really dangerous if, if it is going to rest a little bit on, on Marin Cilic, although Borna Goyo got a fantastic win. You wouldn't be expecting him to be beating top 20, top 30 players. No, no. So we've got that. So that's one group. And then our other group, which kicks off today, Oh, now this is an interesting one. USA, <laughs> USA, Italy, yeah, and they're playing tonight, and Colombia. Oh. So USA and Italy oh, okay. is really yeah. sort of the match that everybody's, I suppose, really focusing on. I mean, strong teams. Uh, we've got, I, I, we're guessing we're going to have Sinner and Fanini playing singles, but we're not sure. So is Fanini, because he's just had... A new child, hasn't he? Yeah. So I've just been seeing photos. So he's he's present and correct. I believe he? so. I've not seen him around the hotel. I've seen all the other Italian teams. I saw Massetti this morning at breakfast. Okay. Saw Sinner as well. Um, saw the American team. Who just, I mean, the average height of the American team is just going through the roof. You know, <laughs> uh, unfortunately for them, Fritz isn't able to play their new American number one. So he is uh, he's not here. But I mean, what. a what a team they've got. Uh, they've got Isner, Opelka, Tiafo, who's been playing brilliantly well as well, and Jack Sock for the doubles. So, I mean, that is a strong team. I think Italy are going to have their work cut out. And semi-finals are all back in Madrid and the finals in Madrid. Actually, quarter-finals are in Madrid. So logistically, this is absolutely ambitious, to say the least, and then particularly now, in COVID on. times. It's, now, originally, the quarterfinals were spread out because a quarterfinal was due to take place at Innsbruck. So is that due to the lockdown in Innsbruck that they've gathered all the quarterfinals in Madrid? No. Well, so the quarterfinals, yeah. if you win your group, the yeah. court, if you win your group in uh, Turin, the winner of group D and the winner of group E, we're all playing in Turin. So they will play their quarterfinals in Turin. We will get the quarterfinal on okay. Monday. Right. Lovely. Okay, so we've got two groups here and the winners of both groups will play the quarterfinal. And so essentially coming out of Turin will be a semi-final. Yeah, so the semi-finals and final in Madrid, the quarterfinals are spread out across your three countries. And then... Well, no, the quarterfinals are slightly more difficult because there are second best runner-up places and they might... And that those quarterfinals will take place in Madrid. So if, uh, for example... Italy come through uh, Turin and they, they get awarded with all the numbers and the maths and stuff that I'm not going to get involved in. I'm just going to get told who's won it. Um, <laughs> whoever's the, the second, there's two second best runner-up places across all of the, the events. Uh, and if you mathematically get one of those spots, you have to get to, Tur- get to Madrid from wherever you are, get to Madrid and play your quarterfinal very, very quickly indeed. So it's tough for the runners-up. Wow. But then you could also argue, well, they're getting a second chance because they didn't win their group. So they're getting a second chance in. Yes, they've got to fly into Madrid, play that quarterfinal and get off and running. But, uh, that, yeah, so that's the situation. That's the slight confusion of it. I've, I've, I've explained that in a really complicated way. Well, that's I'm going to leave it to you. Um, I'm just, you, you're going to handle, you're going to handle that side of things. And it's, I think that's fine. It is, well, as I say, there's a, this is the time of year when there's other bits and pieces. This is the last official tournament and then there's some exhibitions with the Royal Albert Hall. Emma Raducanu is playing on Sunday. I'm going to be there for that. There's Abu Dhabi in mid-December. There's Battle of Brits just before Christmas itself. So there's bits and pieces happening. But largely, look, I've already started seeing the Maldives holiday shots come out. So, yeah. And and Daniel Medvedev and his wife 
sort of posing up a storm in in is it Tatler, Russian Tatler? You seen those? Yes. Tatler's been very tennis heavy at the moment because Medvedev's been on the the, the Russian Tatler magazine. Uh, it's some sort of fashion magazine that I don't know anything about. And on the British Tatler front page has been Boris Becker's son. Really? Um, Claiming to be the most eligible well, bachelor. Yeah, Tatler's very much about eligible people. So, so exactly so right. Tatler's very much about like debutants and who are the eligible people and who do you want to be seen with. And it's one of the kind of young set in the respective countries. So I imagine sure if they're and and Medvedev, it was like a kind of James Bond. He had a sort of roll necks and blazers and. It was all rather glamorous. Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was brilliant. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's where that's where I'm at. And basically, last... just getting my head around the Davis Cup draw, and then now yeah. now they throw into the mix talk of it moving to Abu Dhabi. Well, what? Okay, what's your years? first thought on that? A lot of people saying when certain deals were signed, it was obvious it was headed that way. Do you think it's right or wrong, or you don't really have a position on it either way? Well, we had a very grumpy Leighton Hewitt here in Turin. <laughs> yeah, he did, uh, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, not only did the, his team lose 3-0, but uh, yeah, he was uh, pretty scathing, I think, mm. towards the Davis Cup moving. Um, I suppose it is difficult because I can understand what people are saying is when they reformed Davis Cup, it, it sort of felt like that would be a situation. They need enough money and, um, you know, it's, it's sort of a quite commonly known that... Uh, that uh, putting it on in Madrid in 2019, they lost an awful, they lost millions of pounds by putting it on. It was, um, uh, yeah, it was, I, I think they expected that though. And, uh, and they are being offered some money that will, you know, go to ease that sort of loss, I suppose. So, you know, can you understand it? Yeah, sure. I don't think I really have an opinion on it. I think really the main thing is the the original change in format, isn't it? And, you know, Hewitt had a massive issue with that in the first place. So he's never going to like it going to Abu Dhabi because that's just sort of the next step down the road of all of these, um, all of these changes. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think Leighton Hewitt's going to be the only one disappointed about it. I mean, look, it's tough for the Australian players at the best of times. I mean, you know, his team in Popperin and De Menor are based in Europe anyway, because they sort of have to be with yeah. the tennis tour. You know, they do get their Australian summer, which is fantastic. But yeah, you know, it's, it is a shame that they're not going to play any home ties um, in their future in, in Davis Cup and not have those not have those moments again. And I think even the people who made the changes recognise that that, you know, the ITF uh, and Cosmos who, who have been doing it, I think they were not ignorant to the fact that that is a real shame to lose that part of Davis Cup. But, you know, you can't have it all there had been calls for reform of the davis cup for such a long time um you know and it, so yeah i mean there, there are lots of difficulties it's not entirely smooth at the moment but they're, they're trying to make steps to go in the right direction so i don't know i mean do you have a, an opinion on it going to abu dhabi it's not confirmed by the way it's just a it, it will probably be confirmed soon i think it's there's various camps aren't there there's a Leighton Hewitt camp that doesn't want to see change and they played in those home ties and those amazing atmospheres and there's an element they think it's just becoming a little bit more sterile putting it in one place but I think in time like with most things we'll get used to it remember the shot clock coming in imagine players having to get their own towels oh we can't have that we can't be picking up our own towels we can't be serving within 25 seconds Rafa Nadal was never going to be seen again it you know I think with all these things I know some people will talk about it being in Abu Dhabi and reasons for being there maybe reasons why it shouldn't be there 
but they're willing to put money in it to keep the competition alive. I think the format, I enjoyed it in Madrid. I mean, it was very cold <laughs> for whatever. It was very cold at that time of year. It won't be in Abu Dhabi. But I think we will get used to change. I think, come on, look, they're in Turin's. So they're not going to have a massive crowd. The Billie Jean King Cup finals, which I thought were fantastic in Prague, but there were hardly any fans and it wasn't behind closed doors. But how are you getting Russian fans over? How are you getting Australian fans over? I think that's the biggest thing they are going to have to work on is how do you recreate a sort of atmosphere? Because it was only full when the when the Czechs played and the Czechs went out before the final and it was it was difficult to get the crowd in. So I think they have to have a proper plan to get fans and to get an atmosphere. Otherwise, it does take the heart out of the competition because that's the big thing. You know, it's not just your teammates on the bench. And, and I say during, during the Billie Jean King Cup finals, the support from most benches was amazing. You need those fans. I did get annoyed with the with the, the Belgium fans and their horns. But by the end, I've got to say, I want, <laughs> I'd had enough of the horns, I have to say. But you need the atmosphere. So that's the one thing for me is if you're going to move it there, if it's a fina- for financial reasons... You've got to work on how do you recreate some kind of atmosphere. Well, that's why I thought the change in going to the three venues was a step in the right direction because you get more home ties. We obviously have Italy yeah. playing here in Turin. They're not going to be scheduled to be in Innsbruck. You've got Austria playing there. You've got, <laughs> you've got Spain in Madrid. So you've got, you do have three But isn't that uh, unfair then? With the- then Australia well, are going to say... Of course it is, but... So, so, they're hand- so maybe you just go to a neutral place where you don't have anyone's team playing, but then you get some kind... It's weird, isn't it? Because you can say, well, at least this way, you're going to have a home atmosphere for certain ties... And other teams will say, well, that's not fair. So what do you do? Just put it in a neutral place. But then you've got to somehow work on creating an atmosphere. Yeah, but then the old school Davis Cup, you know, they play the final in Australia. And if you're the away team, it's pretty pretty challenging for you, isn't it? So it's pretty unfair. Um, yeah, look, logistically, it's incredibly difficult. You know, even with the, the scheduling, and that was the hardest thing, I think, through the season for, for the Davis Cup or the original format. Um was the scheduling and you would get players either committing and saying, right, we're going to try and win this. I'm talking about the top players here yeah. or saying, no, I'm not going to commit this year because it, it you know, the time of the commitment of having to play and play on different surfaces, interrupting your schedule, you know, and, and changing surfaces, especially for the older players. We know how much of an impact that has on, on, on plenty of players, particularly knees. It seems knees really take the brunt of changing surfaces quickly. Um, and it used to be best of five sets and, you know, it's just exhausting being on the bench. I mean, it's absolutely, <laughs> it is knackering. So, um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I can understand, you know, the, the choice to sort of put it all together. Uh, there's a bit of an issue with the schedule in terms of the time of year, because for most players, they have not been playing since Paris. They're not involved in Milan next gen or in the ATP tour finals. So they've had two weeks off. It's sort of been the end of their season. They've had two weeks off. And I know in 2019, haven't heard anything about it this year, although I'm assuming some of it will be the same. But in 2019, plenty of players just went on holiday for a couple yeah. of weeks and then flew in to play Davis Cup because yeah, it, it just yeah. it eats into their off season. So, you know, the, the, I'm not offering any real solutions, to be honest. And and to be <laughs> fair, neither was Leighton Hewitt other than saying, let's go back to how it was. But everybody knew that, that there were some flaws in that, in that schedule. So 
um, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. And I'm, I'm always one for trying things. I'm always one for, for, for trying it out. And I, and I do think that having these three venues makes a lot of sense. Pretty tough. If you sort of win your group in Turin and then you've got to go to Madrid, you feel like the players in Madrid are going to have much more of an advantage. And by all accounts, from what we're hearing, the courts are playing a little bit differently as well. So it's not like you're on the oh, same okay. surface. You know, one, uh, I think the Innsbruck lot saying it's quite slow. Ours seems sort of medium. Uh, and uh, I think Madrid, I think, might be a little bit slower as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not perfect. But as I say, I don't think anybody's offered any solutions that you go, yep, that's how we should do it. It's a very difficult thing to try and accomplish. Well, it's hard because as you always say with tennis, we're dealing with a global sport, people coming from all over the world. And it's not a calendar that allows any wriggle room. You know, I'm even hearing the Billie Jean King Cup finals. They're thinking of making it an end of season thing rather than it used to be in the Easter slot, that Monte Carlo week when there was the Monte Carlo Masters. But the WTA players would play in what was then the Fed Cup final. That was a week there that there are there aren't many gaps to put something in. And the other thing, as you said, you get to the end of season, either players have had a break players are injured players we saw with the fed uh, billy jean king cup finals you know some australia players like ashbati weren't there you know they'd been home how tough is it to get back home at the moment with quarantine and rules to not be able to get out again so it's uh there's a, there's a lot of things that need to be juggled um not everyone will be happy with everything but what we do have is we have a confirmed australian summer schedule which is amazing and we have confirmation we that unvaccinated players cannot compete in the australian open staff, media, everything. You have to be vaccinated. I saw something that said 85% of tour players are vaccinated now. And we won't dwell on it because it's just speculation. But it comes back to Djokovic again. And again, my stance is still just just say it just what well, I, I just don't understand the silence because it just drags out this you know yeah, this but I don't I think he's made a decision yet but he, but he I he, think you're being so on he his case have, he, he hasn't made a decision of course yet. he's made a decision yet if because he needs to get vaccinated because no he, but last time we had this conversation which was only a few weeks ago the latest was that you just have to quarantine if you weren't vaccinated yeah, but now you so, can't you, now you can't go Right, I know, and it looked like it was going to go that way the whole time. And um, yeah, I, I, if he hasn't made, made his mind up, there's he's really running out of time. To I mean, there's one the Johnson and Johnson. I think you can have one shot and that's it. But he's running out of time to get vaccinated and to be able to go. And we don't know the situation of his of his team members. I just I genuinely don't think he's undecided. I genuinely think he knows, but he just hasn't said it. And at this point, my thing is just say it. Because yeah, we- but wouldn't it be different if there was a time where it looked like it was a possibility that if you're unvaccinated, you just have to quarantine for five days? And you'd think, oh, well, probably he'll just do that then. But now- and then now it, it has been confirmed. Yeah, but he, he's got to make... Like he's now got to make that decision. Like I don't think he that's, must have um, made the decision because he's either vaccinated or not. Because he doesn't really have a lot of time to get vaccinated if he's not. You see what I mean? I, I just think that again. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm. I don't sure. mind whether he does I'm... or doesn't. I genuinely don't mind whether he does or doesn't. I just think this whole thing is gonna. I just think he must have You're made. So this... keen to know though. I just God. think that's the thing. I just like, think we will, will find out at some point. But I just think it will shut it down. I just think it's you know just I don't understand why. He must have a position either way. By now, this close to it, just, just. I well, just... I don't think he'll shut it down if he decides not to play. I think that will kick off a whole thing out in Australia. So, 
Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Ugh. I'm, I'm. Do you know what? I'm totally chilled about this. We just wait and see. If he doesn't want it's a hot. It's a. I'm this sort of is one of the, the brilliant things in tennis because this is where it's different to other sports. You like if he doesn't want to play. He doesn't have to play. No, but in no. other sports, you are contracted. In other sports, you know, there are, there are certain teams making it mandatory or, 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 or whatever it is. And okay, it is mandatory for this event, but it is mandatory for this one event. There is no evidence to say that that is going to continue on for the rest of the tour. It might happen. However, it's for, for going to Australia for this one part of the season. And uh, yeah, if you don't want to play, No, but that's play. my thing. I don't mind, as I say, if he wants to or not, just tell us. I just don't understand the... Not saying anything. I just, do you know what I mean? I just think it's so demanding. No, but I just think it, it drags out something. Give him the call. But I just think it drags out something that doesn't need to be dragged out. I believe he's made a decision. So just say either way. I don't know why everyone's like, is he, was he, is he not, is he? It's like, oh, for heaven's sake, just say what you're doing. If you're not, you're not. Okay, fair enough. You can try and get 21 in Paris. If you are, you can go for number 10 in Australia. I'm just like, I don't know. I just yeah, think. Whatever. I just well, think at this see. point. Maybe he'll tell us tomorrow. Now, Maybe he'll tell us in a week. Now, something, something that Tennis Australia are not adopting are the new ATP rules on bathroom breaks. So the ATP oh, yes. now said players allowed one bathroom break per match. It can only be taken at the end of a set. The clock will start once the player reaches the bathroom and time violations will be used as punishment if any player breaches the allotted time limit they can also have two minutes to change their clothes agree or not with that coming because for me i i do find it very hard to time someone going to the toilet i think that's quite a changeable thing well it's from when they go in right you might need a different amount of time in the toilet for different reasons is my stance is whether you're a man or a woman because there's lots of talk about i don't think this is going to happen on the women's tour because people talk about you know them needing longer for x y and z when we talked about the wet sports bra situation (laughs) (laughs) i i I recognize that and while that doesn't qualify for a medical uh, situation i think if you need the loo if you need because it's from when they go into the toilet yeah remember it's not from when like you could still need a lot of time once in the toilet I know, but I think that that that's just uh, I just think that that, that that then that becomes a medical like that's a medical issue what? if you know I, that's what that's what I think and I think that's fine and then you then you have a different thing but if you are just going to the loo you've got three minutes go come back that's it but if it's anything if you need more than three minutes then you should be forced to take one of your medical timeouts to do it really like why not just... it's fine no no i agree it's with fine. you like, i agree with you because it, it also it happens so rarely like if you're really on the loo for that long and you're struggling and we're, <laughs> we've all been there where we've we've sat there and we've gone better whack my phone out here because this is going to be a while you know like that's fine but um then as i say i think that there would be an official with you and you'll have to say guys this is going to take a while and uh, i'm gonna have to say use medical and then they can get the doctor to come in and make sure everything's okay or maybe maybe not in maybe stand outside i don't know um and likewise you know if it's uh you know women do um you're trying to sort themselves out when they're on their period in the middle of a match which you know is tough things move around you're you're sprinting all over the court you're hot and sweaty and all sorts like you need to sort that stuff out sometimes sometimes and i would say rarely I would say rarely it requires more than three minutes in the cubicle. Remember, in, yeah, not not to yeah. get there in. in the cubicle. Um, and if it does, then I think then it's it's just you just use it as a medical timeout. No, I, I, I think that's fine. I agree. It's fine. You know, three minutes at the main. It as happens long as, very rarely. As long as the stopwatch is started when the cubicle door shuts, that 
there should be more than that. But Tennis Australia have said we're not they, that the Grand Slam rules will apply. So that's two toilet breaks per five set match yeah. and a reasonable amount of time allowed. So there's there's not going to be any stopwatch clicking as doors shut. Yeah, well, the reasonable amount of time allowed is just, it, for me, it's one of the worst rules in tennis because, it, it, you know, I've had an umpire when I said to her, well, is this reasonable? And she said, no. And I said, well, are you going to do something about it? And if you don't think it's reasonable time? And she said, no, I can't do anything about it. So, yeah, I, I mean, the, the reasonable time, I've never seen anybody, I've never seen any umpire anywhere say, this is an unreasonable amount of time, you're having a time violation. It's never happened. So, like, it's a pointless rule, you can take as long as you want. Now, since we did the the last pod, when we did the last pod, the the story of of Peng Shui was just getting started, and since then it has built, gathered momentum. It has changed, and in terms of developments after she made the the allegations on a social media site, and they, I think they came down after around twenty minutes. It was where is she, and that really gathered momentum in the, in the tennis world and beyond. Then. Some videos appeared of her at, I think, junior events in China being introduced. And then there was an, an interview with, with, the, with the IOC. And, and, and still it rages as to her, her well-being. Are things going to be investigated? What, what's your sort of, what if, where do you sit? Where are your thoughts on, on the Peng Shui situation and, and how it's been handled? Well, I, yeah, what I would say is that we do, with a lot of these situations, we do tend to err on the side of wanting to just wait for more information. I know that people really want opinions and thoughts as stuff goes on, but we just felt like originally there was just absolutely no information at all. And while lots of people will, will comment on it, and I think that's absolutely fine, you know, we just sort of feel like we will comment on it at some point, but we just sort of want to 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 get more information get a better understanding because you know i think everybody sees on on social media lots of things get whipped up into hysteria that aren't really really that you know that that's not really the case so um and really our only information on it came from social media we didn't have anything else so now there's a lot more information a lot more officials have got involved wta p have commented ioc have have been involved as well so there is a lot more information and look it's it's i mean no one can know what's going on can they no one can know the situation apart from peng shui and people close to her and 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 people uh, in the chinese government but um yeah it's uh it's been quite an extraordinary display i, I think of sort of what people think is evidence of just absolutely being <laughs> so far away from evidence in anyone's like you just anyone's realm it just it's not evidence is it um and then the ioc doing this uh, you know they they've just released this a picture um and uh, you know of a conversation that's happened with pong but it, you know i can understand the wta saying this is not good enough and i i think huge credit to them i mean this is I was shocked at how strong they were right from the very beginning. Uh, even though they had had assurances from the Chinese Tennis Federation that she was fine, and all, they were like, "Okay, well then, let's speak to her. Like, let's do it." And still to this day, they're like, "You know, she has worked with the WTA for 16 years. She's been a world number one doubles player. You know, she is part of the WTA. They know her well. She knows them well. She is very well travelled. You know, absolutely able to speak to them and say everything's cool, guys." 
like leave me alone which is the the sort of the official line that's coming out is that she just wants to be left alone okay well then just tell them that like it's fine it's not making sense is it um i'm just sort of surprised at how lazy they've been at um at the uh as i suppose the evidence they've they've put out and just the surprise that it's not good enough even the surprise today from the ioc members that that people are just not accepting this as as uh, as how it is i mean it doesn't seem um yeah i, I don't know i mean obviously you know that the main concern is is for her and it's been great to see uh, evidence of her being alive um but uh, it's a very very complicated situation because it's one thing i suppose asking for her to be alive and free so the wta wanting her to be able to speak to them and you know is, you know is she being censored is she well i mean everybody's censored in china like that that it's not really possible i suppose to to not be um you know but or, or is she being restricted or sort of held captive or under house arrest or whatever else it may be um you know that's one thing but then demanding a thorough fair and free investigation into the allegations which i mean i would love nothing more than that to happen i mean it seems unrealistic to me i mean it's quite a reach so like, i mean that's just almost certainly not going to happen i mean they're just denying the allegations you know at all so that's almost certainly not going to happen where that leaves the wta where that leaves the atp itf um it's clear the ioc aren't too fussed about it um well the ioc look it's we've extraordinary got the, we've got the beijing winter olympics just just around the corner so, you know, and a lot of people have followed up that screenshot we saw of the IOC president talking to Peng Shuai saying, well, it's all a lead up to Beijing. They want to keep things as smooth as possible, which is which is wrong in every sense, if that's what's happening. In terms of WTA's position, thought it was fantastic. Steve Simon has been at the forefront of carrying out interviews and saying, look, if we have to pull out, we will. And it is worth an awful a hell of a lot of money to the WTA tour, to the players, their their Asian swing and look the tour finals as I know was in Guadalajara for for COVID reasons this year interestingly but this is how it works anyway some people were saying oh you know the ATP have just released the first part of their schedule well that's what they do you know especially with COVID you get little chunks of the schedule so this is how things will start and and people like oh they're just waiting to see they're waiting to see a lot of things including travel restrictions and COVID and things having to change so it's normal just to see kind of almost quarterly chunks of the calendar and it does allow the associations to see how this matter will be resolved we all want to see it being resolved but you know china is china and as you say i mean china are doing their own thing and they're kind of looking at the rest of the world thinking this has got nothing to do with you this is how we deal with things and this is how we're going to do with it which is not right um how it's going to develop i agree with you seeing her introduced at events and that screenshot you saw that she was alive, which was which was key because initially everyone was saying we haven't heard or seen or spoken to her. But, you know, the, it's how it's going to go. I don't know. I have worries that it might not go very far in terms of anything in being resolved. The fact that we, we believe that she's in Beijing. But I've got to say the WTA stance has been very proactive and very positive because it, it would be a huge loss financially to the WTA if they pulled out of all their commitments in Asia. I mean, yeah, the stakes are very high for the WTA. Um, you know, we're, we're talking essentially about sort of sanctions, right, on being yeah. put on financial sanctions or whatever being <clears throat> put on, on China. Um, I, I agree with you. None of this is going to get resolved because 
China and the Chinese people are governed by the Chinese Communist Party, and that is that's how it is. And we, whatever the WTA kicks off about ain't going to change that. And you know, whilst sure, you know, it, it might be very easy for us to sit here. You know, we live in a sort of you know Western democracy with our morals and standards of what we think is a free and fair trial and 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 whatever it might be. But you know, there's a large chunk of the world that do not live by those standards and you know women do not have equal rights and there are um you know and and a lot of countries that you 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 maybe wouldn't expect that uh, you know are, are lagging behind on on that so it, it is very tricky as such a global sport to get involved in anything political and i actually felt this um about the the black lives matter protest last last year um yeah, it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, 2020. Yeah. Uh, when um, ATP and WTA boycotted for the day following Naomi Osaka's lead. And, and uh, you know, whilst I, uh, you know, you, I mean, you can agree with the political sentiment, the boycott, all you want. But as I say, this is a global, uh, one of the most global sports in the world, dealing with countries that have dictators and autocracy like China, um, dealing with as I say, going to nations, taking a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars from these these nations. And it becomes very tricky when you start dipping your toe into the political um, side of things. And sure, it, we'd all love you know everyone to just only um, operate and, and work and, and take tennis too and take money from organisations that were meeting our standards but you know ultimately it's unrealistic if you want a global sport it's not something like for example the nba in the states operates in the states and is an american thing and you know, they they don't really have to deal with you know all of these different different governments i don't know it's just yeah i mean it it's concerning because she's one of us right she's ours she's our tennis she's she's pung shui everybody knows pung everybody yeah, knows absolutely. i mean her smile is infectious she's been a fabulous player for so many so many years and that's why it hurts but this is not abnormal in chinese culture this is not abnormal for chinese women um in any way uh the only difference is that she has a real connection with the western world because she has been part of tennis for for such a long time so we're demanding that she is being going to be treated differently to the rest of uh, the chinese population um i don't think that has gone down very well and i don't think it's going to get anywhere um and it, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very frustrating. But you know, she is in China and is a Chinese citizen. Well, and as much as we think she's sort of a child, she's a, a woman of the world because she's our tennis player. But you know, the WTA is not a government. Well, someone asked me why, you know, we believe she's in Beijing. Why would she release a statement like that in China, knowing that the restrictions and and how things would be clamped down on? And I haven't got the answer. I. Only she has the answer to that. Maybe it was, we all do impulsive things. Something something happens, the, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back and you, you put something up, you text someone, you put something out there. Maybe she thought because of the connection she's got to the Western world, it would be different. Maybe she thought she would be heard differently. Maybe she thought she could make a change. Maybe it was just ruled by emotion at the time. As I say, no one knows, because a couple of people have said to me, so why, knowing what China is like, and she'll know it, more than most being Chinese and, and living there why would she release something but maybe she thought it would be different this time but we, we, look, we can't answer that and how will it be resolved you, you have to worry I mean the main thing is that she's she's alive and she's safe and well but in terms of how it be resolved I think China are looking saying it's got nothing to do yeah. with any of you 
This I is, don't know. This I mean, people have been saying, why don't the Australian Open invite her to give out the trophies or offer her a wild card? Why don't the WTA yeah, yeah, invite that, her yeah. to the Legends and stuff? And, and look, I, I love the sentiment. I like the idea. I like that people are trying to come up with solutions, but there is no solution because they'll just release an email saying, no, thank you from her. That's, that's all that she'll will say thank you very much and she'll lovely to, she'll say yeah. thanks very much really appreciate it but i'm not doing it thanks like i've retired and i'm gonna live quietly in beijing we'll just get the same rhetoric over and over again mm. um and it will be very frustrating for us and very concerning but as i say you know she is not the only woman to be in this sort of um situation but it is unique as you say because of the connection to the western world and in terms of understanding the chinese government and how everything works there one would imagine i don't know i'm not chinese i've never lived in an autocracy but you would imagine that uh, because of her traveling and her international links that she would have even more of an understanding because she's been in yeah, dem- yeah. democratic company countries. She's been in, in uh, those things where there is no censorship in those places for a large, large chunk of her life. So she, she very much understands the Western view of China as well and, and, and all sorts. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, it is really concerning and it really hits home to us because she's one of ours, but she's Chinese first and foremost and um, they get to dictate her future, unfortunately, not not us. Um, for the future, as to the future for the WTA in China, um, yeah, I, I think that this is a situation that, that I, I agree. I know that I've said that I was impressed at how strong they were, but it, it's it seems like this is not possible for the WTA to continue to operate in China when one of their players, no. uh, when they no, cannot, they're not, not allowed to speak to one of their players yeah. uh, that they have grave concerns over. Uh, I mean, it just seems completely impossible. One imagines that ATP will have to follow suit as well. They will not be happy about this either. Um, but as I say, this is not the only sort of regime like this that we deal with. We we, we play, and there's a long, long list. Just take a look at where all the tournaments take place. Um, it is uh, it's very tricky to negotiate. And what does... What does this mean? You know, maybe the line in terms of what we will accept from the the nations and governments that we deal with uh, is that it impacts our players. Um, And that's that. But she's in her home country, isn't she? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's awful. But I, I don't anticipate any further resolution than what we've got. The IOC say it's fine. China think that's good enough. And uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I I think that will will be that. Now. Conscious of saving your voice because you've still got to commentate, and I've got to get to my, <laughs> I got to get to my lemsip before it gets cold. You have to make some, you have to make some votes because the nominees for certain WTA awards are oh, out. Yes. Okay. WTA comeback player of the year, player whose ranking previously dropped due to injury or personal reasons, and their current season's results help restore ranking. Anna Konyu, yeah. Sanya Mirza, mm. Carla Suarez Navarro, Elena Viznina. Who gets your vote? It's tough because, I mean, your heart just wants to give it to Carla, right? I mean, we all just, I mean, we love Carla. I mean, everyone's just delighted for her to come back. Um, I sort of feel like Vesnina's got to take it, though, based on what she's achieved. I think, you know, the level that she's played, for me, it has to be Vesnina. Um, But uh, I'd love to give it to Carla. I'm... I agree 100% with everything you said on that one. WTA Newcomer of the Year, player who made top 100 debut and or notable accomplishments. Oh, well. wonder where this will go. <laughs> For the first time during the season, Anne Lee, no. Camilla Osorio, no. Ludmilla Samsonova, no, I know, who even was, amazing, was amazing in the Billie Jean King Cup final. She was. Mayor, Mayor Sharif, 
Clara Torson, Emma Raducanu. I mean, what a list, though. What a list. I mean, Maya Sharif, um, or everything that she's achieved being an Egyptian player. I, I mean, look, it, it's, a, it's been a fantastic breakthrough, hasn't it, for, for the bunch. But, I mean, no one, no one touches, touches Emma, I'm afraid. Clara, Clara Torson, without Raducanu in that list, would get my vote, I think, yeah, for what she's sure. done. I think, I think, but you, you, yeah, I look when, when it says notable accomplishments. Oh, right. So winning the US Open without dropping a set coming through qualifying. Yeah. That's that box. Probably says notable. <laughs> um, WTA most improved player of the year. Player who finished inside the top 50 and showed significant improvement throughout the season. Who would you pick? Paolo Badosa. You go, you go. You tell me who you'd pick out of this one. Okay. So Paolo Badosa, Leila Fernandez, Ange Burr, wow. Annette Consvick. God, this is tricky. Wow. Barbora Krejcikova. Jessica Pigula and Maria Sakkari. Oh, you're kidding me. Can you go first? I no, can't. no. This, I deliberately I I picked can't. the easy ones. <laughs> it's your turn now. Can they win, can they win more than one award? Um, I assume so. we've got two more to come. I assume. Because oh, most improved player of the year. Uh, well, well, Barbara Krejcikova, you know my case for her. I mean, it's been insane. Because you want her to win player done. of the year. That's why you're struggling what? to pick her for this. Is that what you're saying? It's yeah, okay. it's just insane. On Jabur getting into the top ten is incredible. Annette Contevit, what she did in the latter part of the year is ridiculous. Leila Fernandez getting to final US Open. Uh, I think I'd give it to Paula Bedosa. Yeah. I think she won titles in all different services and she got a masters. I think I would give it to Bedosa. Yeah. I'd I'd agree. Contevit she had quite a quiet season until the very, very end where she yeah, absolutely obliterated everyone. And everyone <laughs> went, oh, right. She's just been winning loads this year. And then she just was a joke. So she sort of, she's come through right at the very end. But I think, yeah, overall, I mean, Bedosa has been very, very consistent. And um, yeah, there were some question marks, I think, early on as to whether it was a bit of a, of a flash of like, oh, wow, she's pulled it all together for this tournament. And then she was like, uh, no, I'm just very, very good now. <laughs> it's just it. <laughs> um, so I think that I, I'd agree. I'd agree for? with Bedosa. But to be honest, I mean, would you be unhappy with any of them winning it? Probably not. No, no, absolutely not. I, I, yeah, that's an amazing list. The doubles team of the year. We have the Japanese ladies. We have the... Chilean American combination. We've got Shea Suwei with Elise Mertens. Right, it's, it's Shea Suwei with Elise Mertens for me all day. Only because they have done it all with sort of what? just. What? 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 Krichikova Siniakova. Yeah, what? Well, I know. They're excellent. What? No, I know. But I'm going to state my case. What? If you let me finish. If you let me finish. Oh, if you mention wearing a dinosaur headgear no. at Indian Wells as part of your reason, then you are, you are struck from the voting. But aren't they so much fun? <laughs> and don't you love watching somebody like Elise Mertens who's like she's so sort of straight down the line she's always been quite a so serious, serious yeah, player yeah. and she's just like that you just you know just the look on her face and we've seen her play singles you know to a re- really high level and and she's all about the seriousness and then she's playing with Shay Su Wei who's just I mean she's bonkers let's totally be honest opposite. she's polar opposite bonkers on the court and off the court I mean what she even try I mean if you're Elise Mertens you just got to let it go you just got to let it go and go, okay, let's see what happens yeah, here. Yeah, 100%, 100%. But yeah, I mean, look, there's no real argument is there over the checks in terms of what they've achieved, of course. But I just wanted to give a shout out for, I'd, I'd pick Mertens and Shea just because, you know, why not do something a bit different? I've got to give it to Krichikova and Siniakova because, I mean, they've been awesome. And then Fine. player of the year, player of the year, your nominees are 
um, Ash Barty, the newly engaged yes. Ash Barty. Yes, she Barbara Krachikova. Garvina Muguruza, who came really good in Guadalajara. Boy, was that an atmosphere. Naomi Osaka, who we've seen has got the racket back in hand again. Emma Raducanu, who has made the shortlist for Player of the Year. Arena Sabalenka or Iga Svantec. Interesting. So have we got all the Grand Slam champions? Have we got, because we've got Osaka... Uh, Kray- oh, Kray- is on there, isn't she? Did you say Kray- Yeah, Yeah, of course she just, is. Oh, sorry. Of course she I thought you would have thrown a bit of a huff if she wasn't. Uh, Kray- <laughs> I mean, uh, Emma Raducanu's there. Um, who won Wimbledon? Barty. Barty, there we go. So Emma Raducanu, who you said should not be up for Player of the Year, is shortlisted. I did not say that. I said she shouldn't win. I said she should definitely be up for it, but she shouldn't win. Did you? Is this, yes. I think this, we've gone oh into a grey area. I think we've gone into a grey area. How, Someone listening how is that a grey area? Remember, it's quite clear. Because I don't think you said that. Right, so you, are oh you sticking word. with Ash Barty? Of course I am. She's a world number one tennis player. She's a Grand Slam champion this year. She won literally everything on all different surfaces for quite some time. And then because she's Australian, she was a bit done with the year, a bit toast. Fair enough. I think she's unbelievable. I think Krachikova, from where she was outside the top 100 last year, to come through, win the double at Roland Garros, singles and doubles, to win the gold medal in doubles in Tokyo, to win the, um, in the, to the Guadalajara, and they said Shenzhen, in the Guadalajara WTA finals, to win that with Siniakova. What she's done, I mean, I've heard throughout the season as she's gone on that she's absolutely toast. She is running on fumes. She kept going. She kept wanting to play. She made that fantastic speech in Guadalajara. Yeah. And yeah. I just think from, from where she was to what she's done, she's given other players the belief that it can happen that you can do it. She wants to put everything into her singles and what she's done. I think what, before all the Ash Barty fans start messaging me, give me grief. I love Ash Barty. I think she's amazing and what she's doing. But for me, Krachikova, if I had to vote, would get my vote. And I'm sure that she will be firmly in second place. Yes, I think as those nominees are listed, <laughs> it's Barty first, Critique second. It's definitely between those two. So our votes are in. Let us know what you think. Find us on social media. I, well, as I say, I've got the Raducanu match on Sunday at the Royal Albert Hall. But before yes. then, I've got a Christmas nativity. I've got okay. a adopter bear sale. Something about books. It's that time of year, honestly. Mm, and the downside busy. I found to having twins is they had to give a book and some bears to the school to, for the Christmas fair. So, and there'll be people saying, why did you give them the choice? They're children, they're, they're six. But I said to one of them, can I get rid of this book? Yes, the other one, that's my favourite book. No, it's not. It's my favourite. I got really oh, upset no. if you get I get a teddy bear to the other one. Yeah, give it away. The other one, that's my favourite teddy bear. On Honest to God, I was literally rocking by the end of this. But I've got a bag together. That's going in. So, um, yeah. And, and the, what, the final thing to mention is ATP Tennis Radio came to an end last week. And it was yeah. five fabulous years and I really enjoyed it. Wasn't and it though? And it's very, very sad. But it is very, very sad, but it gave us one of the best moments there's ever been in radio tennis commentary. It did. It did. It gave us the... If you haven't seen it. Just say John Piers and Michael Vinner, say their surnames together in that order very, very quickly. And that was that was our radio gold. But no, Penis. It, was, it was it was it was amazing. So it was it was really, really amazing. So we shall see what next year holds. Right. You've got to go and gargle. Chamomile tea is really good yep. for your throat with honey. Yeah, I've got to go and prep um, Italy and USA. And I've got to go. And... Oh, it's going to be packed. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be amazing. I've got to go and have a lem sip. 
and then see if I could dig out while they're at school any more bears and books that I can subtly sneak into school this afternoon. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, take care and enjoy it and stay well. Catch up with you soon. Bye. Ciao.